Welcome to episode 45 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre, featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, stage managers, producers, and more. If you'd like to be a guest on Stageworthy or just want to drop me a line, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you enjoy the podcast, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast app you use, and consider leaving a comment or rating. My guests are Lindsay Middleton and Ben Hayward, who appear in Theatre by Committee's upcoming production of their fringe hit, Faith, starting October 19th at St. Luke's United Church in Toronto. that I originally wrote when I was 18 uh, and I was, I was like really mad about religion um, you know I felt like I'd been duped you know that sort of like standard teenage like yeah. oh my god everybody lied to me about God this is so bullshit um, and I don't know why it came out in the voice of like an angry teenage girl I guess because I didn't want it to be me mm-hmm. I wanted to you know couch it in something and it wasn't a very good play and I just sort of like put it in a drawer and never looked at it again and then uh, a year and a half ago now, I pulled it out of the drawer and was like, there's some good stuff here, actually. Like, if, if David gets rewritten and, and, and I add some more um, contrasting opinions and stuff, then this could be a cool play. So then I started working on it again, and that's how it became its current form. What was it like revisiting something that you wrote when you were basically a teenager? Uh, it was really interesting for me because now the way the play works is I didn't... All of Faith's ranting is as written when I was 18. None of that changed. Okay. Um, some of the bridging monologues and all of the beat poetry stuff and all that got added in. That, that didn't used to be there. Um, and then in, in Faith's more like charitable, lucid moments where she sort of sees things clearly or is maybe nice to somebody or, you know, some of that stuff got tweaked. But most of her uh, religious ranting, her talking about her dad and uh, her mom are still in my original teenage voice. Everything else is new. So it's the play is now like a like a dialogue with my teenage self. It's like I'm having an argument with me from seven years ago. Yeah. Did, were, you raised, were you raised in a religious household and then when you were a teenager you were like... I was, I was raised in a, a, a mixed religious household. Like my mom thought it was important to go to church mostly based on community. Like if you grilled her on any of the specifics of Christianity, she would have absolutely no idea. She like she knows the like picture book Bible stuff, like the right. big stories and the, but you know, but like I had an argument with her about um, taking the sacrament and whether or not she thought that it was transubstantial or consubstantial or whatever. She had no idea what any of that was. And she was like, I don't know, it's just like it's symbolic and I'm like but it's not symbolic. Like it says in all their books that it's his literal blood and body, and it's just like either or, or it's you know symbolic in a very important way. But like it's not what you're saying. Like it's a fun little ritual we do. Like no, we're eating Jesus. Um, so she's that kind of a religious person. And my dad was an atheist. Uh, well, not atheist, like sort of very uncommitted agnostic, uh, who never went to church. So everybody at our church thought that I had uh, I came from like a single parent home. <laughs> Uh, because my dad was like, yeah, go whatever, go, go visit your imaginary friend. And then, so I got like really into the community of church 
and really got quite religious by the time I was like 15 I was like bugging my dad about his immortal soul and like um, trying to live faithfully and, and doing like Bible study and shit and then uh, that's a new part that I've added because I didn't have the clarity in mind at the time um, was the her talking about the youth minister we got uh, a youth minister who was like a really hard line um, biblical realist or whatever you call those people where it's like all of the Old Testament happened as written like fundamentalist yeah like yeah, yeah that, that's exactly what it is um, so you know like the and, and so so you know I was sort of like okay so you know sit through the Tower of Babel talk and that's all fine and good and then you sit through the Noah's Ark talk and that's all fine and good and then you sit through the Adam and Eve thing and you're like lady you can't possibly believe that there were two people otherwise what's the deal incest didn't matter then but now it matters for some reason like what how can you possibly think the world is six thousand years old oh wait oh no oh my god none of this is real yeah. and so like, <laughs> i left uh shortly after that you probably must probably lasted uh, on, uh a little shorter than i did i was just right where i didn't think that the, the house of cards did not talk for me until i was like in like 1920 yeah when I really started to ask questions. But until then, it was so easy just to be like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, especially when most of it sort of makes sense and you think yeah. like, yeah, okay, like be a good person. Don't kill people. Uh, these yeah. all seem like rules I can be okay with. Yeah. Um, get together and sing. You know, I could never quite figure out why the songs weren't cool, but that was fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and I never got why Christian rock bands couldn't just be good rock bands. Yeah. Oh, that used to bother yeah. me when I was a kid. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I would be like, man, I want to like, Reliant K or whatever it was, you know, his song. And, and it's like, but they're so bad. Why are they bad? And you know, the thing is, <laughs> as somebody who grew up with with Christian rock in the eighties, Reliant K is a really good band compared, yeah. compared to Christian rock, like Resurrection Band or like Striper or something like oh, that God. back in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. So you know. But it's still the same question. Why can't it be good music? No, I never. I I, I still can't figure that out. Lindsay, did you come from a similar background or were you? Very similar. Like my mom still goes to church every Sunday with my grandma and my aunt and my dad just like avoids it at all costs. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom is still, we had a great like dialogue after seeing the show about like, well, do you think this is this and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I think having her own realizations about things. Mm -hmm. She was like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, okay. Oh, you always know when you case something. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, no, but that's a that's a point in the show. Um, so yeah, v- almost very identically similar. Where I like went, I, like I got confirmed, and I was doing like Bible studies. I went to Bible camp, and then I, I think it was my older brother that influenced me more because he was, he was always like vehemently against it for so long. And I, I don't know if we just had a chat one day, and then I was just like, oh, he doesn't have to go. I don't want to go either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then I just have never gone back since mm-hmm. I was, like, 13 or 14. Yeah. How did your mom react to it? Yeah. No, I was actually kind of nervous about my family seeing it because a lot of the women are very religious. Um but, like, they're always very supportive of whatever I do. My grandma said, quote-unquote, not my favorite, but good job. <laughs> and um, my grandpa, actually, I haven't told you this. I didn't mean to tell you this. So after my grandpa saw it, 
he was so fascinated by like how it all worked. Like, and he's seen a lot of shows I've mm-hmm. done, but there's a lot of like choreography in the show and things like that. And he kept mm-hmm. asking my mom on the ride home, like, did she have like a map on stage of like where to put the chairs and like all these things? And he was convinced you were a real minister. They had to tell him like five times on the drive home that no, like Ben is Lindsay's friend, like they're actors, like he's not a minister. Like he, I think he kind of thought it was like maybe real. And then I went home uh, like two weekends ago and I saw my grandpa again. And he was like, well, how are you? And I was like, well, I'm doing that play you saw again. And he was like, that play was so good. Like he loved it. And I was like, that's, thanks. And then my dad was just silent on the matter. And then, yeah, my mom and I have had some like interesting like dialogues about it and I'm excited for her to see it again in Toronto and then have even more conversation because she saw it twice in Hamilton. Do you think that, that like is it changing at all between the iterations in, in Hamilton and, and Toronto? Yeah. There was a lot of stuff we had to edit out just for time's sake um, for Hamilton because it was an hour so I think Toronto is going to be like an hour 15 to 90 minutes we don't really know. Somewhere depending on because there's, there's about 95 minutes of script mm-hmm. some of it we've agreed upon is kind of redundant yeah. and doesn't need to be there so it'll be depending on how much we want to have fun with things and there was also some scene bridging stuff and some storytelling stuff that we wanted to spend more time on and just because of the crunch of the fringe we were like well we can't do that anymore let's just cut that and not worry about it um, so hopefully it'll be about half an hour longer but mm-hmm. can, can you just, just for people who haven't seen it uh, what would somebody what would you want somebody to know about faith before they see it the elevator pitch yeah, I actually want people to know as little about faith as possible, except for that it, you know, it deals generally with uh, a, a teenage girl's crisis of religion and identity that happen at the same time. Um, and that if those are the kinds of things that would interest you, which I assume most people are interested in, then you should come see it, because it's um, something that I think what has surprised me most about Let me rephrase. What has surprised me most about audience responses to the piece is the amount of people who come up afterwards and go, like, that's exactly the way I felt. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, that that felt just like me. And I'm talking, like, you know, Mm -hmm. 50-year-old men who say this. You know, it's not like 20-year-old girls come up and say this. There's, like, pretty much everybody who sees it identifies with this terrible anger but Mm -hmm. desire to have meaning at the same time. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side of that, we've had a lot of people from the religious community come to it who also had very interesting views on the piece. Like, I was very nervous every night, because I was from a very religious upbringing, and I was the one saying the majority of the more bold things against religion, and I was so nervous before every show, because I was like, someone's going to, like, heckle, or, like, but they're religious, so maybe they won't. (laughs) Like, they're supposed to be nice people, so maybe they won't do that. But um, we had a united... Church. She worked for the United Church Gazette Review or, or magazine or whatever their magazine is, and she came up afterwards and was like, "What an interesting depiction of a United Church minister!" And like, we'd love to do a piece about you guys. And here's my card. And it's so terrible that he was tempted by that woman in that way. And I was like, oh, "Yeah, did she you watch the same play." Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's why it's interesting. Yeah. Like, so how it's cool how people, yeah, people of different faiths also respond. That's yeah. the thing I also want people to know is that it's not just a 90-minute atheist diatribe. No. Um, because I think that faith does play a really important role in generating meaning for most of the human population, and I can't discount that. Yeah. And so I try in the play to give it a fair shake as much as possible. But I haven't... I think I saw, if not your first performance in Hamilton, one of the first, um, and it asks a lot of questions. She doesn't just, like, go anti. She's, like, 
questioning a lot. So there's a lot of back and forth. So it's not like one note for her. There's faith asks a lot of important questions. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's a lot of people who are, go to churches and don't like to ask those questions, but they're important questions to ask. Um, so when, just to, to get out there early on, when are you uh, mounting uh, the play in, in Toronto? So the show is running October 19th to 30th, every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at 8 p.m. And we're actually doing it inside St. Luke's United Church which is awesome. awesome. Very excited about it. Um, it's at the corner of Carlton and Sherburne, and it's going to be taking place inside their chapel as well, which is yeah. even more exciting. Nice. So yeah, we're you can get tickets online get tickets at theaterbycommittee.com yeah. or search it on Brown Paper Tickets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool that the church, because we sent it to a bunch of churches, <laughs> and it was a lot of like initial interest of like, oh, we've never had a play, and this would be so great. Thanks for script. thinking of us, and then can we read the script? Yes, and then just silence. nothing. Just <laughs> yeah. And then St. Luke's was like, yeah, yeah. They this were is kind of, fine. they were like the hail mary. I was kind of mm. like, I don't know. They were like uh, last on my list for some reason. I was like, okay, I'll just call them because I didn't have an email, and I, I just hate calling people. And I was like, oh why so I was like hi we have this show and then she was like yeah it all sounds great and I was like yeah but we say this and do this and she was like yeah and I was like I'm going to come in and meet with you (laughs) and like we could actually afford it like I could not believe how expensive churches were to rent I was shocked doing this research to try to find a venue I was like holy cow it's a money maker to rent a venue there so yeah we got something though. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of churches are rented for uh, weddings. weddings and yeah. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is like, and, and well, we didn't rent the actual. Um, not the sanctuary. Not not the sanctuary. We rented the the chapel, mm-hmm. which has all the 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 decked outedness of the sanctuary. It's yeah. just condensed, it's which is actually better for us because yeah. we're never going to be able to fill a sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sanctuary is like four hundred seats. Like, yeah. So, I have high hopes, but they're not that high. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. We've already sold some tickets. I got the ticket report today. I didn't see it. So I was like, wow, that's good. Um, Promoting the show in a Hamilton throne situation, um, walking up to people and talking about the show, um, I had, you know, my show was about religion in some ways, and I had one of two reactions. People would either, I tell them what the show is, and they go, ha, yeah. And also, I also, I got, uh, no. It would be like, God, no, and it would pass it back because it was about religion. Yeah. Did, you, did you find that? Did you find that pitching the show to some people was just like the topic was a non-starter? Uh, I found that the conversation didn't go anywhere. We could always sort of get in the door with like it's about a girl who's struggling with stuff, mm-hmm. and like yeah, cool. And then as soon as it was she's struggling with religion, and it was sort of yeah, it was either one of two. And it's weird the way people shut down about it. It's like when you. I guess it's like walking up to somebody on the street though and being like, can you talk about your politics with me right now? And they're like, you just don't yeah. have to go away. Or they have a ton of really well thought out things that they can tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was surprised about is when you talk to people about the show, that it's not a certain type of person who always says no. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I found that some people who were quite religious wanted to talk to us about the show and others mm-hmm. didn't. And some people who were really, you know, didn't seem like they had any religious leanings at all were much more likely to say, no to talking about the show than, than religious people. But that might be the type of person who is religious versus the type of person who isn't. Yeah. yeah I definitely <laughs> found that there were people who were, I think the people who immediately reacted with a no 
with were people who were not religious and uninterested in speaking about it. Yeah. But they would like the show because (laughs) it actually plays to all the things they probably don't want to talk about and throws in their face and opens up the discussion of like, yeah, this is. And I think the not talking about it is is almost as damaging as not questioning the faith when you're silent. And that's the whole point of like rewriting faith was that it was like it was more about questions and, and debate than it is about like one side's wrong, one side's right. Which I actually borrowed from religion. It's just catechism. It's all, it's just you know, there's no like right answers for me. You're not just named an apostle. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you always written plays? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty well. Yeah. Actually, like since I've known you, since since before university. So yeah, that's that's my whole adult life now. And How still do. Years Seven years. Seven years. A couple days ago, mm-hmm. wow. Facebook told us. Yeah. Facebook is good for telling yeah. Facebook's yeah. like you're fucking old. And I'm like, thank <laughs> you, Facebook. Seven years ago. Well, now Facebook tells me that I've known this person for so long, and I actually add on years. So I'm like, wait, I knew them before Facebook. So. Then they send me like a really awkward video with like the worst photos you've ever taken. Yeah, like, yeah. Just you together. Always, always just yeah. you looking. Terrible. Or like the same photo three times, and you're like. Yeah. Can't be that good of friends. No, we, only have one no, photo. we have one photo that recurred. <laughs> um, so, do you remember how old you were when you started writing plays? Yeah, uh, I wrote my first play when I was 14, 15, uh, and it was <laughs> it was for this thing that my school did called showcase. You could just like write a little thing. It had to be less than twenty minutes. Uh, and you could just, if you could get students together to do it, it was totally student-driven and produced, and, you know, and they would, like, clear it, obviously, but then if you passed that, then you were in and you could perform your thing. And so my thing uh, was called Embrace It, and it was nine minutes long, and it was about uh, this kid getting braces, because I was really upset about braces. Um, and it was, like, because I got braces, and I felt like I had been shafted, because um, I got braces really late, and I, I didn't need them. I just I had I had one crooked tooth in the in the bottom, and my mom was like, "Well, you know, you're gonna have to have braces." And I was like, oh, "I can't, I can't." Like my social life is pretty precarious as it is. I can't <laughs> add braces to this. And then so I thought, you know, it'll save me socially. I'll write a play about getting braces, <laughs> and then everybody will think I'm cool. And that worked terribly, but but the play was actually pretty funny, and then I, and I had really a lot of fun doing it, and I was like, this is like a thing I could, could get on board with. Mm-hmm. And then later that year, my school did uh, a collective about uh, the murder of Rita Burke in, in BC, mm-hmm. and so I wrote for that, and I was, you know, and it's kind of just been ever since in, in, in increasing length. So I started with nine minutes, and now the the latest one is unwieldy and too long. <laughs> Lindsay, what drew you to theater? Um, hilariously, I started at my church because <laughs> my mother taught Sunday school, which meant she also would do the like, I don't know, we would do a play at the church like three times a year, maybe. Like, I remember my first play was the nativity scene, and for some reason there was a lion in this version, which was, of course, me, because Mm -hmm. I had to be the unique lion child at four years old. Um, So, no, I remember starting, like, at my church. I actually did, my first musical I ever did was about Jonah, like the story of Jonah getting eaten by the whale and, like, living in the whale. There's a video. It's excellent. I played Sassy Angel number one. My audition song was Britney Spears. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just always something that since I was a child, I was just, I don't know. I just had to be praised and validated and looked at, I guess. <laughs> it was just something that was in my like need. And then I started doing like musical theater at 13. But then I think in high school is when I really kind of seriously understood what acting was because I had a phenomenal drama teacher. We both had amazing uh, drama teachers, which I think is why we do what we do. And it kind of just made me realize what it is we're doing and the impact you can have because that's kind of what I like to do. I like to do theater that like has a message and has an impact and I'm obsessed with the show because I think it does have that for a lot of people. And yeah, then it just kind of took off and I haven't stopped and mm -hmm. just keeps going and yeah. When did you figure out that it was a thing that you wanted to do with your life as opposed to just something you wanted to do in part-time Well, it always said it. Like, if you go through my, like, kids' stuff. Until I was eight, I wanted to be a vet. Until I was eight. And then my dad was like, you realize you have to kill the animal sometimes. And then that dream died. <laughs> my dad put it real, like, black and white for me. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. He's like, that's part of the job. And I was like, great, I'll be an actor. And from then on, but yeah, I was in high school when I was in grade 10, we did a, a UNESCO play, and which was so different because I've been doing musicals and biblical shows up until then. <laughs> and we did this UNESCO play, and it just kind of like changed my outlook on everything, and I was like, I have to do this. I have to like just have that feeling of mm -hmm. when it's, you just, I don't know, you can't describe it, that good feeling on stage. And then I just feel like I'm always like chasing that high, mm -hmm. that like euphoria that you get, because you don't get it every time, like... I find once during a run, you get that one show that you're mm -hmm. like, I was not here. I was like the character. I was somewhere yeah. else. And like, I just love that feeling. And so, yeah. Did you have many of those when you were performing Faith and Hamilton? <sighs> Faith was one of the scariest shows I've ever done. Because I feel like I'm doing stand-up comedy mm -hmm. for a lot of it, which is not something I've ever done. Like, I think I'm mediocrely funny, but I never label myself as like a comedian or even a comedian actor. Um... I feel like there were definitely some shows where it happens. I find it's normally when I have like certain people in the audience that mm -hmm. are just really close to my heart, and yeah. I don't know. You feel like you're just doing it for them, and you're not like mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like a different thing. But yeah, there's definitely those moments in most shows, except the really bad ones. You wind up in that you're just like, <laughs> oh, get me off the stage. <laughs> I mean, a lot of what you do in, in faith is monologue. To the audience, where you've seen, yeah, they are, uh. and that like that makes it almost partially a one-woman show with also another actor that you do some scenes with. We well, call we, him my prop. Yeah, we <laughs> joke that it's a one-and-a-half-person show. You don't get David's story, right? You only get no. him through the lens of faith. And, and, and that's the most consistent thing that people say to me afterwards. It's like, well, how come I don't get David's story? And it's like, because well, it's not David's story. And like, yeah. for me, it's important that faith is the proprietor of the story, that you yeah. did you get that she's lying to you and that, you know, that yeah. things are not exactly as she says. She is the one telling the story. Yeah. So to, to suddenly get David's story from his point of view did not make a whole lot of sense. No, it's a different play. Yeah. yeah. It's... <laughs>
because it was just so overwhelming and amazing. But you don't always get that. I think for me, the note that my director gave me was just concentrate on telling the story. Don't worry about how the last shift went. Just do this one. And that was like the best piece of advice you could have given me for sure for that, for that show. Um, so that was, I mean, you went through like started starting with church and then moving on through uh, into into high school. Did you go to post secondary? Yeah, that's where we met. We both went to U of T and Sheridan College. They have a joint program where you mm-hmm. do two degrees at the same time. Madness, but a lot of fun. And yeah, that's where we met. And then we just. Kept. Yeah, we were like. Thought he was cool on day one. He yeah. had a great yellow shirt and he we, said a lot of inappropriate things. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this guy's bold. I think I want to be his friend. So. Yeah, no, we like platonically dated for first time. Yeah, we definitely did. Um, we definitely did. Yeah, and then we just. <laughs> we've been friends ever since and we've been. Uh, since the theater company started, even when it was under a different name, we were in it. Um. We always knew we wanted to work together because we're a good balance of, of things. I'm um, like I would be very happy to just like sit in the tub and read all day and write plays and never show them to anybody and just slowly disappear. So having somebody like <laughs> that's Lindsay, my worst nightmare. Yeah, and having somebody like Lindsay in my life is really wonderful to to, to call me and be like, get up and go do things, and, oh, and you need to fucking shows. work on things, and, and yeah. we need to do this. Um, and then I, you know, I'm around to tell you to sit down and have a nap and maybe think about it for a second. <laughs> um, take care of myself. Yeah. And have a bottle of so it's, it's a good, it's a good balance for, for a partnership. That's good. We talked about, about Lindsay's coming uh, to theater. We talked briefly about, about your yeah. celebrating plays. But why plays? <laughs> why theaters for you? Um, okay, so this is... Unlike Lindsay, if you were to go back through my, like, what I want to be when I grow up, uh, I was, like, the only 10-year-old ever who was, like, I want to be a cognitive psychologist. <laughs> you know, like, I was, like, super specific. I wanted to do uh, psychoanalytic research, and then I was, like, maybe that's a little bit heady, I don't know. Uh, so maybe I'll just do um, poli-sci and then laberdashery with, like, a, a view towards politics later on in my life. And then I was, like... <laughs> I was, yeah, I was not a, a normal kid. And then uh, in high school, I was doing this that I, you know, it was the first extracurricular that I'd ever done. And I was like, yeah, this is fun. But I never took it particularly seriously. Um, and then I saw Daniel McIver's monster at Buddies and Bad Times. And that was the moment where plays sort of clicked for me. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, you know, before it was just like fun sketches. And, and in my school, there was some cachet to it because the showcase was really well attended and it made people laugh, it, it, you know. So there was social capital to it. But this was, that was the first show where I was moved in a way that I had never felt in uh, a movie or at a concert even or at other live events, you know. It was like I was like actually wrapped and on the edge of my seat with somebody in the same room. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it was so exciting and it was so meaningful. And so I was like, well, shit, I, I gotta do that. That's the only thing I wanna do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, of course, went away. You know, I like, went back to school and was like, no, 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 I'm a lawyer. That's a great job. Don't be that guy. That guy's insane. <laughs> um, and then in uh, like my last year of high school, I uh, was doing this show where I was a, a drag queen. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'd like nared my legs and I had like tights and this like sweet Tina Turner dress and like really glammed out makeup and I like spirit combed my eyebrows away and like 
um, had a, like a Liza Minnelli wig and big fake boobs. And <laughs> I was on stage doing this, and I sort of like went off on the night that we opened for the for the school and parents and stuff, and was like. I think I want to do this more than anything else because otherwise this makes no sense. <laughs> like if I don't want to do this professionally, why am I doing this? Like this is, you know, and my girlfriend was so upset at the time because she was like, you're dressing up like a woman in front of the school, what's wrong with you? Right, this is back when, you know, like, course, yeah. you know, this is still an issue socially. Yeah. And I was like, it's because I want to do this more than anything. And so, you know, that was like when I was like, I'm going to apply for theater school. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you had not planning to, to do theater school until then? Never. Very, very sober career choices until then. And then, did you apply just for the U of T, or did you? No, I applied to U of T. I applied to George Brown, and I applied to York and Ryerson. Oh, I applied to all of them. And then all, yeah, you did. And then uh, I got into Ryerson, and I got into U of T, and everybody gets into York. (laughs) <laughs> and my mom told me that I couldn't go to George Brown because she wasn't going to pay for me to get a college diploma. That mm-hmm. if I wanted to get a college diploma, then I could pay for that myself. But otherwise, they were going to help me with university. And so I was like, okay, I'll do that one. And then so I went to see um, Ryerson, and I talked to so I talked to the guy who runs Ryerson. I don't even remember his name. He was such a dick. Um, and I hope he doesn't listen to this. Or you know, maybe it was. A bad maybe day. Maybe he does. Yeah, but if he does, you were a dick, man. You were such a dick that day. You don't remember me. Um, and he was just like, he just didn't have the time of day. And he was just like, you know, and I asked him what kind of stuff we were going to be doing. And he was like, well, you'll be learning to act. And he was talking about like Shakespeare, like, a, you know, like an angel had shit it into his mouth. And it was like, it was just the worst. And then I went to UT and it was very cuddly. Yeah. And it was like, we don't trim the class size down. For me, that was really cool that yeah. they were honest about that. That like, we only take 20 kids off the top and then we don't lose any. Not like the York or the Ryerson model where they take like 40 kids and hope to lose half by the time you're done. Um, George Brown too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. George Brown They'll tell you to leave. hope to end with uh, 15 yeah. yeah, and I think that's so fucking bogus. That like, you know, you can't deprive people of half of their education mm-hmm. uh, and then tell them that they're going to get the same meaningful experience outside and, you know, like, oh, we'll just read about it in a book. It'll be the same. Like, no, it won't. And there's a reason that you're keeping the other 15, so fuck off. Pick them from the start. There, there, there was a thing, when they were, at George Brown, they were letting you go. They were letting you go, they were like, you know, this is for you. Like, they was not like, you can get this from a book. It was like, this, this program, You should not do this. It was, I, this program is not for you, but sometimes what they said, because people came to them when they were really young, they said, life go and take a year and then come back to us. And they, they had, and for some people, we will even, like, just... You come off our door, you'll come back in. Right. But go and live and then come back. But for many, it was like, no. <laughs> Which was like, and for some of us, it was like every year, like you would sit down at Christmas and you sit down before the summer yeah. break and you'd be like, all right, is this what they believe? All right, so let's, what can I say to get to stay in? Yeah. It's like crazy. It's yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want that. So, I, that's why I went to UT. And to be honest, it was a great education. And that's what I wanted it to be. I didn't want them to teach me how to do theater. I wanted them to teach me about theater. Huh. Um, and in the end, I don't think we do theater that is anything like what we were taught how to do. <laughs> and, you know, we like we made we did very like well made fourth wall plays. Mm-hmm. And we don't we've never done that as a company. No. Um, and, and if anything we're getting further and further. When you say well made plays, are you talking about like the Jordan Tannehill when we well, we played yeah. the, 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 you know, 
this is what we can we can and still don't make like, Yeah, yeah, I'm talking exactly about and I too was unimpressed. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> big ups, Jordan, it's a good book. Um <laughs> But like, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's a boring Canadian drawing room or wishing it was a drawing room play. And some people do them very well. And I mean, like, um, like some of Michael Keeley's uh, well-made plays are actually good. And, you know, big ups to George F. Walker and Judith Thompson. Yeah. But like, you know, for the most part, I think the Canadian canon sucks. And the way that we approach theater is boring. And we didn't want to do that. Yeah, um, and increasingly, I think... And, and I'm, you know, if I'm going to posterity somewhere, that, that I think we really are doing cool stuff now, finally. And, like, in the ten years that I've been paying attention to theater, it has gotten way more interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of feel like, I think you're right, but I think that there's, there's, it takes time. Absolutely. There's all these, all these theater companies that are, you know, aside from Shaw and Stratford, there's these companies that are run by old folks who still do the, want to do what they know. They have to wait until these indie, the folks doing the indie theater sort of bubble up and like take over. Yeah, and they can do some really interesting stuff with those. Well, it's like like Factory is having that renaissance in, yeah. in the last two years, right? Like like Beyond the Great White North is something they could never have done five years ago. No, yeah. that's no. you know, and now everybody's like you know rah rah Factory because they did the Naked season and it was so good, and we're really like oh fuck, okay maybe. And so now now we're ready for Factory to be this new cool thing. Yeah, but you're I think you're right. But it took a lot of time. It took forever. Yeah, it like you know, and and that establishment is just hard to, to get out of the way because theater is also one of the only careers you do till you die or give up. Yes. Like you don't, there's no retirement date. I think we're doing a little better now because there's more venues yeah. to work with. Because, you know, it's not just Burbish, then Factory, Terragon, and Factory. There's, or Terragon, Factory, Passerai. There's also some storefront theaters. There's, there was even 102. There's all, these other, there's all these other spaces where yeah. you can which is so amazing. And important to, to development of new work. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, but like one of the things that really depresses me about Canadian theater is, is the like, the idea that something that happens in an indie space can't happen anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and like, that's why I really like Outside the March and their stuff is because they never do it out of space so that you don't associate them with a particular venue or with a brand of, of theater that it's just like sometimes it's in an abandoned movie hall, other times it's in a parking lot, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, it, to me that seems very exciting. It's something we certainly think about all the time yeah. when we're picking venues. When you're picking venues, I mean, I mean, venues was a barrier for a very long time in terms of, in terms of like getting a space, like having to, to, to rent a space that costs like 1500 a week, Yeah. when you, that could be your whole budget for like doing yeah. a show. Yeah. That's a huge barrier. I think it more just depends on the piece and what would suit yeah. the piece. Obviously, there's like restrictions of, well, how many people can we fit and can we afford <laughs> it and what is like the electrical system like for lights because we're going to be bringing those in and that's always fun. And but I think what we always look for is like where would this show fit? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the point of doing a show outside of a theater and like. What are we, like what are we starting to say by doing it here? Yeah, like faith in the chapel is, is like a pretty obvious connection. Yeah, yeah. And, and because the show is so interested in the sacred, the profane dichotomy, then that works really well. Um, for us, I think it's also like we 
had a lot of old semioticians who taught at our school, and so there was like a lot of like reading about the frame of the theater and what the, the place you do, how it informs the spectator before they come in. And I think that's something that we've internalized as a company is like we want a space that is going to gear you towards a certain experience. So it either is can be dissonant or complementary, but we want it to be something. So we did line in the streets in uh, Glad Day Bookshop, which is this like beautiful warm space. And you walk upstairs and everything's super friendly. And then we had a plastic sheet that you walked through. And when you walked through the plastic sheet, there was this terrible graffiti all along the walls of garbage bags. And then there was a big pile of garbage and shit on the floor. And it was like, so we conditioned you to feel one thing and then you feel something terrible when you walk in. And then that speaks to your experience in a fun way. Um, And that's what we look for in spaces is just, so like, you know, Glad Day wasn't the ideal space for that, but we used it in a way that we yeah. thought told the story better. Um, so when we when we pick spaces, we're always cognizant of that. We have like big company arguments about this all the time about like we can't just do it in this space because it's cheap. There has to be a reason. Um, what kind of reasons are you looking for? Like for me, sometimes it is literally like, I can afford this space. Like. I've done stuff at some of the storefronts just been like, I can afford this. Yeah. I'm going to make it work. Well, well, that was our thing with Glad Day is logistically it could fit the number of seats we had. We were new. We had a relationship with the owner, which was amazing. We had a great time working out of that space. But then it was what Ben was saying of just like turning it on its head. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so because we settled on yeah. Glad Day because of cost restraints and just feasibility, we place a ton of emphasis on modifying the space to make it not glad day anymore. Um, that for us, it was like, if we're going to do, we can't just do like chairs in a row and then a couple lights and have them be like lying in the street. Right. It's got to be immersive and, and the space needs to be its own assertive thing. And I think it worked. I mean, I think we ended up, I loved it was an insane amount of work. <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> Kelly Anderson designed it and it was, oh, yeah, I remember walking into the space finally after like I came later in the day and a lot of stuff had been put up and I was like oh my god like yeah. I wasn't even expecting this so it's, yeah, it it's amazing how it transformed frightening yeah and, and it was yeah it was nice what are you guys looking forward to about revisiting things again I like David, <laughs> David I like Faye David is not like me I'm really angry <laughs> Um, which you can't maybe hear in my voice, but just if you know me as a person, I'm just like everything is shit and it's all corrupt and there's all just like, oh, and the more you look into shit, the worse it gets, you know, that sort of, and David has figured out a way to be at peace with himself and to allow dissonance in his life without it wrecking his day. And I love that. I I feel very calm for like an hour. (laughs) I, well, I like being scared. That's why it was so refreshing to do this show because this will be, I think, like my seventh show this year, like doing this remount. And it was the first one that I was like, ooh, ooh, I like have like some deep feelings going on backstage. Like before I do this, like I was, I was like a sweaty, like monster of mess and like shakes. And I was like, this is so nice to feel because I've been doing this for, like over 10 years and to have that feeling again was really refreshing so that I look forward to but also I always just look forward to the conversation after and I don't mean like did you like the play I hate that conversation I like the conversation of like 
what did you feel? What didn't you get? Like, who did you side, especially with this play? Yes. Because we've had yeah. such contrasting things of, oh, I hated Faith, or I didn't like David, or like, this one was in the wrong, or I loved them both. Like, mm. I, we had people like really angry and walk out, and we also had people crying because they were just sympathizing with the characters so much. And I love that. That's why I love Ben's writing because it gives you so much that the audience can take away from it. And it's so personal when you see a show, what yeah. you feel. And I just love hearing that from yeah. people. Did you have people walk out of the show? We, we did. did. Yeah, we had one yeah, we had that one. I remember. One lady walked out in a kind of like aggressive, loud way. Well, they always do. Yeah. It's almost, it's, almost, it's almost never a very surreptitious. Yeah. It's often... It's, especially if it's offended, like I'm offended. There's, yeah. There's, there's the I don't like this play where you sort of slip out. Yeah, like, just, like, snake. Just, like She lasted a long time. Yeah, she lasted like I think the she lasted an hour. She lasted like 45 minutes in. Really? Does Jesus have to be fuckable for us to like him? No, I was past that. Because uh, that's like the but that's my line where I take like a stand. Yeah, that's where that's the one where I think somebody might. Like, have an issue of like don't talk heckling. about fucking Jesus. Yeah. Like, but he's so sexy and why? <laughs> and he's always so sexy. Yes. <laughs> so you should last in beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something else. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it was. Shit, I don't know, but I just remember being like, oh, someone's leaving. Which like is really nice in this show because Ben has granted me the liberty. Like there is a script, and a lot of people would say this is. Like, a lot of my, my best friend went, I didn't know what was the script and mm-hmm. what you were improvising, which mm-hmm. is a huge compliment to me because yeah. this yeah. girl knows me extremely well. Um, but basically, Ben's giving me the script and said, if anything exciting happens, go with it. Mm-hmm. Like, we had one show Just where the audience, like, I, they could have not been there. There was no laughs, <sighs> nothing. And we're used to, like, yeah. some pretty, like good chuckles and when they finally laughed like 10 minutes in I was like oh thank fuck you're alive like didn't know you guys were out there which like kind of loosened them up because I know a lot of people always say to me after they see theater that they never know when they're allowed to laugh like where Mm. the permission comes from yeah and so, for me, I was like, great. I would grant you that permission that this show is dark comedy, but I would love if you laughed at it right yeah. now. So yeah. that was in the mouth a bit. That was also when my mom brought 11 of her United Church friends to the show. So it was a very fun one for me. Did they have a lot to say after the show? Nope. They were pretty no. quiet on the <laughs> One lady, actually, because my mom um, worries like I do, and she phoned up her friend, who I guess was the most religious of the bunch, and it said, like, um, I noticed you were really quiet on the drive home. Like, I just really hope, like, everything was okay after seeing it. And her friend was like, no, I actually was reflecting a lot because, and this woman's in her 60s, she was like, I've been having a lot of new thoughts about religion and things like that. And the play actually stirred up a lot of things that mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that I'm challenging in myself and my view of religion. So I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. So. That being said, my grandmother is still not coming <laughs> she's asked every time. I'll bring her. No. I had I had relatives who were who were like my mom was gonna go and they were like your mom will tell me if I should go after. Okay. Yeah. It's not that. It's not. It's not too bad. You can come. Yeah. My family normally come to everything except lying on the streets. That was the only time I've ever like censored my family from a show. Did you tell them not to? I had I allowed two of them to come out of the normal like eighteen uh-huh. that show up and I was like just you and you. Because there was a lot of content in that show. I, I don't know why my casting seemed to go like Your casting was just real sexually pathetic person. Sexually she played dark. All, she played both women who were 
in abusive relationships mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah. And it was just like, like top to bottom bad times for Lindsay. Yeah. Like, I got to play the, like, to see the cheerful gay characters, so I yeah. was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. But like Hannah, Hannah got fun characters, but you were, you were, uh, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> the yeah, sad all those ones. Yeah. And you ended up in your underwear in that show too. Yeah. It's a That's theme. another great reason to come see Faith. You want to see Lindsay Middleton in her underwear? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I'm, a tagline. I'm gonna ask, but I mean, it, it is a tagline. Uh, maybe not not, 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 not the, the no. no. But since that's come up, yeah. is that something that you were you were at all concerned about in in this show, or that that they were like, I'm going to take my clothes off, or is it? No, we had had the discussion of like full frontal, I'll make it. Well, with me, nudity. Like, I've done things where Mm -hmm. I took off all of my clothes, and it's all just about what the, like, art or the message or the Mm -hmm. thing is saying. Like, if it was American Pie, no way in hell am I going to do that. But if it's something that there is a purpose and, um, like, a driving force behind it, I'm like, yes, this supports the message that the show is saying, then Mm -hmm. I'm up for it, because to me it's... Like, Killer Joe, if you saw that um, last winter, I thought it was... Amazing how they did all the nudity because there's a lot of nudity in that show, but it was done in such a tasteful but needed way because that's where the characters mm-hmm. are. And I was like, Is Faith this 17 year old girl someone who's gonna get like fully naked? I was like, No, but I think she'd go out and buy some like Lacenza girl like bra mm-hmm. and panties and yeah. then be like, This is my idea of being sexy at 17. Yeah. And but yeah, and we always, what, and when yeah. We, well, that was a conversation we had was like. She needs to be sexual. Mm-hmm. So what is that for her? Yeah. And then when Lindsay was like, well, what about like Lacenza girl underwear? I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because yeah. it's simultaneous. It is kind of sexy, but it's also kind of terrible yeah. for the adults in the audience who recognize it, mm-hmm. right? It's like, and for me, looking at Lindsay and Lacenza girl makes me deeply, <laughs> deeply uncomfortable. Because I have those like, you know, it's the like conflation of like, it's the only time in the show where I see her as being as young as the character is. Right. And I realize how wrong the course of action David's about to take is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for that purpose, it tells the story beautifully. Yeah, I think it works. But I, we never wanted you to do anything that made you uncomfortable as well. Like, oh, we're, not, we're not about that. No. 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 Except for, you know, my new theme. And that play that was tragically cut. That it was, makes yeah, me uncomfortable. When you're naked. I don't actually see how that came into play. Is this something you want to do? No, they, yeah, it was just one reversal guy. Good We thought we'd have a naked No, are you reversal. kidding? I sleep in pants. Like, you know, Hamilton French has one. Right. And I was like, 
why would I do that? Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, Hamilton with the mole people? No. <laughs> and then, I mean, I. Big ups to Hamilton because we went there and actually had we a really good time. Hamilton. And yeah, like it's a, it's such a nice city with such a refreshingly open and cool arts community. Mm. Um, but yeah, I didn't know. So then he like we pull it up on the computer and he's like, "See, look, there's like a prize and you get to do your show at the Fringe and it'd be like a free workshop for the show. We could decide if we want to do it later." And it's like, "Oh yeah, we got nothing to lose. Sure, why not?" And then you know, I was super surprised when we won. I had no idea. Claire called me like as I was like walking down Bloor one day. He's like, "Hi, man, it's Claire." And he's like, "Hi, Claire," because we'd done a show together. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Hi, hi, Claire. What's why are you calling me? <laughs> How do you have this number? Like, I was an assistant director on that show. I didn't think we were particularly close." She's like, "I'm the artistic director of Hamilton Fringe. You won the playwriting contest." Oh. Uh, Great. Awesome, thanks! <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah, and so our, our director's a really proud Hamiltonian, and he, he hates when we rip on Hamilton. And so this was, I think, also his way of proving that Hamilton's cool, too. And it was cool. It had and some it great yeah, it tacos. Really it had some great yeah. meals. I had some great meals in Hamilton. Some really good meals. It's some really yeah. good fun. Yeah. Met our director's parents, they who are. I would like to go on record as saying are really pleasant lunatics. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah uh, they were great. Did you guys travel in Hamilton? Every day. Yeah. Because yeah. we all have jobs, mm-hmm. and we all had different hours we were working that week. And we had mm-hmm. one car, and so that way car. it was so impossible for us to kind of like get into the festival. Like when it's yeah. in Toronto, I find I'm so invested course, in it. I'm here every night, and that's what you do for yeah. ten days. But with Hamilton, it was kind of a shame because we were commuting, and we were like. Well, someone needs to drive home, so like we don't want to see the bar too late because then like that's just not fair yeah. for them, or someone has to be up early, or or somebody's got work later that night. Me always. Um, like, yeah. So you know, yeah, there was a whole bunch of times, and we would end up having to leave late because uh, in traffic. Our stage manager yeah. Hannah, who drove the car, uh, would have work in the morning, and it was just like it, it was, yeah. so. It, it was we commuted. It was fun. It was we learned about. Trans GTA traffic. Yeah. Yes, it is a mysterious yeah. madness. Yeah. First day when there was the. Uh, we were texting. The, yeah. On the Facebook. Yeah. It yeah. was like. Two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. From my place at Young Edwards. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I mean, I sort of I I took time off from my job so I could like live in Toronto. Of course, I did that, and then I found out that. There's like nothing for most of during like during the week, like during the day, nothing starts until five. I was like, oh, so what? Mm-hmm. Eight hours a day. Okay. I, I was like, I wanted to 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 not have number one, not deal with that commute every mm-hmm. day, yeah. but also just to like as as much as possible do what I would do in Toronto and be part of the festival. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you guys thought about taking the show to other other festivals? We have talked about it. We have. I got the email today about the like lottery fringe thing, and I was like, oh. Because so it is, it's such so a portable tempting. show for it's, us. Yeah. We just need a cube van. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The show, right? Then, it's just the 10 chairs. Yes, yeah. Um, so it's super portable, and we have talked about it, but we're designing this new fringe show now, and so it's like, I don't know, I think we'll end up, unless, unless the trauma, if the trauma run ends up being well received and, yeah. and, and there's interest in doing it again then yeah I think we should because it's a really fun show for us mm-hmm. um, but we also have seven members in our theater company 
and they probably want to act at some they point. Want to do a thing. So, they want to do a thing. Yeah. So, so this we should, one, it, it we should probably move on. Came up because of we won the lottery. Or yeah, we won, won the, not the lottery. The play contest yeah. in Hamilton, and then it just then we kind of like, made it, sense it would be to, silly here. Not to do here. Because we had so many people who couldn't make it out, like bless our friends who did. That was great, but there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I wish you'd do it in Toronto, and then when the venue magically came together and they're lovely there i love talking mm -hmm. to them yeah. it's so easy going yeah i was like great okay it. and it's already built yeah we it's already do done yeah. don't have to learn the lines except yeah, i got like two new paragraphs and there. we might actually you know get into a run of a show and learn new and interesting things about it because that's one of the other tragedies of indie theater is that you do all this work and then you do like what yeah. 10 15 shows yeah. and then it's gone and yeah. you're like I didn't learn any. You know, you think about like Hamilton's on its what, like nine billionth performance at this point. Yeah. yeah. How much more do they know about the show? And exactly. you know, and I'd well, love not, to know that. It's not very often in life that you get to remount a show. No. Like this will be my third show that I've remounted. Yeah. Out of like, I don't know. Yeah. Forty productions I've done. Yeah. So it's pretty cool when you get to do it because like little things change and it just keeps it exciting and. You never know what you're going to yeah, find. Yeah, it's really cool when you get to do that. When you get to um, um, take a show and then do something with it that you, like, do it more than you ever thought possible. Yeah. And have the opportunity to do that with a couple of shows. Like, take a show to, like, four fringe festivals. And, like, by the time you get to that last one, you, like, know that show so well. Yeah. And, and it almost gets difficult to, like, not do that show anymore because you've been doing it for, like, the whole summer. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to do it in this space because the space is a lot more intimate. Our space in Hamilton was, for us, like way too yeah, big. We would have been happy with a third of that space. Yeah. And so it would be really nice to go in a really intimate, which is where most of our productions are. They've always been in really small quarters. Well, yeah, we always do like big things, small rooms. Yeah. So I'm excited to be even like closer and like yeah. really with the audience of like, yeah, we're in this together, people. <laughs> yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. Well, we're almost at the end of our time, so I want to thank cool. you all for, for, for coming on and talking. Thanks for having us. Thanks for, yeah.